Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Pedro. What's up? My name is Lewis. And we are going to hit you off with a couple of really big time topics right now in the music industry. And the first one is something that has been a big deal for a long time in in the Asian world in terms of music and kind of sprinkling its way over to America, K-pop or Korean pop music. It's a big deal. Yeah, basically we're talking about huge, huge bands that are coming out of Korean music scene. Like BTS, for example, um, which is huge. I mean, they're like Backstreet Boys combined with NSYNC and 98 Degrees all in one. Yeah, and and K-pop has a history behind it. It actually has a birth, and there's some political undertones behind it, uh, specifically South Korea. In case you were wondering, is this a... No, it's not a North Korean thing. Right. So it's... it's, it's But it has has been a, a really big deal. I work near Koreatown in in Midtown, New York. And it's about one block of a place where everything that's somewhat Korean, South Korean, it, it, it exists. Sprinkled in there are posters of all these K-pop bands who in the beginning would come to America and do a tour, but it wasn't, they weren't going to MSG. They weren't going to Barclays or any of the, American Airlines Arena Miami, they weren't doing those. They were kind of going into these areas where there was a concentration of K-pop fans, but it has exploded to the point right now where they're they're doing world, major world tours all over. And they're even, they're singing some English because a lot of their music is somewhat Korean with some English undertones. Right. But they're, they're big now. And um, at social media has had a huge presence on how K-pop has been able to spread across the globe. Right. I think that's the difference between, you know, the, the pop of the 2000s, late 2000s with the Backstreet Boys and Sync and, and, and the like. You know, these guys are really maximizing the whole social media aspect because they're, they're huge on Instagram and Facebook Live and, and uh, they, their presence is enormous. And a, a big part of the success of K-pop is that there is a formula to it. You know, these kids are groomed. They have a set structure. They have a schedule. And each person in the group has kind of a personality. And they're groomed to the point where it's almost like a second nature to these kids. And it helps for just kind of pumping out the music and putting it together. And eventually they get older they grow out of it or their contract ends because there's some major contracts involved in these things. And then they become stars on their own. But this is a very well-oiled machine here. And, I mean, BTS, which is the boy band right now, that's the biggest one, I would say, uh, out of out of all the K-pop bands that are out there. Uh, they had two number one albums on the Billboard 200, which is kind of the, the behemoth of, of what is charts in music. And that was last year. So two number one albums in one year. And six other acts have has reached the charts as well. So 
they K-pop has penetrated. They have already in the Billboard. They're a big deal all over the world, and now the United States, which has been probably the final frontier for K-pop. It's 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 pretty big. Yeah, I mean, once it breaks into the U.S. market, I mean, that's really been the goal of most of these independent, you uh, know, you know, huge machines out in these countries. You know, the ultimate goal is always breaking into the U.S. market, but the U.S. market always seems to be the hardest to get into. And thus, you know, you have bands who are doing enormous amount of work, releasing a you know ton of albums on the grind, trying to break. They're in it for three, four, five, six years, and then they finally break into the U.S. market. And you're like, oh wait, oh they're they're new. These guys are, you know, hey, they're they're new to the game. But no, most of the time they've been in the system for a very long time. Yeah, and we've we've had many conversations on this podcast about how. The internet, including streaming and social media, has pushed music into a, a global setting. In other words, you are no longer in your cocoon. Your music gets uploaded to a website and it can be heard by anyone anywhere. That really helped benefit what K-pop has been able to do. But the industry insiders have mentioned two major aspects of why K-pop has been able to penetrate the U.S. market, which has been so hard, as you mentioned, Lewis, and one of them is is collaborating with artists that are already popular in the American music scene. That Correct. was huge. Yep, absolutely. You know, BTS doing work with the Chainsmokers, Steve Aoki, Dua Lipa, I mean, doing remixes and working with these producers and artists have really benefited them because it gets them into the fans' ears of those artists themselves. Right. And, and I don't know if folks know, but BTS really, uh, they their core is hip-hop, um, Korean hip-hop. Uh, if you listen to you know most of their songs, they have three or four of the guys in the group who, who are, are great lyricists. Um, you don't get to get that from, you know, from the English perspective. They're not, they're not doing English lyrics. Um, that you know they're 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 rhyming in Korean, but again they're they're hip hop core based, and they're crossing into you know with with the pop appeal. They have the look. Um, I mean they're they're beautiful <laughs> beautiful human beings. Um, you know they have that look. They have the the styling. Their styling is 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 well thought out, and uh, you know and then the choice of songs. Um, like you said, they're they're trying to blend their Korean. Um, hip hop core with a pop delivery uh, that appeals to you know young girls and and to an audience that's uh, that just goes wild for them. Yeah, and, and you mentioned all the qualities that make a a K pop band a success, and it, it goes both ways in regards to gender. So a girl K pop, you know, female K pop bands have also been a huge deal for for teenage boys to swoon over. In, in, in that regard as well, with the same kind of formula that you mentioned, all those things, all those abilities and things that make the, those bands tick, works just as good on the female side as well. And uh, like we said, those those are well oiled machines doing what they do. And insiders also mentioned that uh, American television being visible to American television audiences has really helped K-pop bands, specifically BTS get themselves more known because uh, folks, like you said, people are like, well, these guys must be new. They've been around for a while, but we were talking about this and uh, BTS appearing in, in the Billboard Music Awards in 2017, 2018. 
I think they did a performance in the American Music Awards. Yeah, that that's when I first heard about them. Uh, 2018 American Music Awards, they performed Fake Love. first time i got to see them and I, I was impressed like wow you know and just and you can just tell their their fans uh you know come with them i mean that that whole uh that whole uh stadium was just full of young korean female fans who were just going crazy at every at every vocal at every dance move every flick of their hair is just it's just uh, <laughs> infective you know it's crazy you know and, and seeing that kind of excitement is something that it really makes me feel good. I mean, I remember being young enough to be part of kind of the boy band craze of what is in sync and and Backstreet Boys and then all the other boy band groups that came around that time. And you know, there were there were some pretty heated discussions in, in in high school about you know what team were you on, you know who you know singing along to all the songs and right. even the guys who were fronting that they weren't into it. You know, you had to. You had to know the guys' names. You had to know what was going on. And so that, you know, you can have conversations with the ladies. And then this is all happening uh, in, a, in a structure that with K-pop, like you said, it's, it's, it's a completely different language. So it really takes world music to another level, which I'm very, very happy to see. Well, you know what? This, this reminds me of the whole Menudo stage. Um, Because I think Menudo was in the same, you know, the same situation. They had a well-oiled machine. Menudo was, you know, a brand, right? So it was it was guys who were interchangeable and they they changed the looks and the members um, and they had a real, you know, lean, mean organizational um, structure to to how this band was was managed. Um, And, you know, they were a foreign language, right? So they're they're in the Spanish market, breaking into the pop market. Um, they were around for many, many years in Puerto Rico, um, ended up breaking into the U.S. So it was a very similar story, very similar formula. Um, but I think I think just the, the times, you know, we have the Internet now, we have social media. So it's just it's just blown to to a much higher proportion. Yeah. And, and there are parallels to how K-pop has uh, finally exploded worldwide and, and finally getting to America. And there's some big similarities to how kind of we used to have what was called like the Latin explosion. There was one point where right. everybody Martin was Martin and Jennifer Lopez, yeah. And then and that was, you know, and people really considered that more of of a of a fad. But now with the way uh, Latin music has really gotten into the eyes and the ears of the world, you you can't escape it. You have people like Drake knocking on Bad Bunny's door saying, can I collaborate with you? Because they know that you, you got you to gotta get up on that. Yeah, so there, there's a lot Smith of parallels there. Mark Anthony, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, trying to speak Spanish and, and just even having English lyrics and, and seeing someone like Cardi B who has already, you know, she's she's Dominican American, so she has kind of that appeal already there. She she can she's like almost like a a chameleon. She can go anywhere she wants. Yeah. <laughs> so that those are those are very important aspects there. I want to make sure that uh, I want to give people a good source 
for those who are saying, hey, I want to know more about this K-pop thing. What's going on here? Uh, there is a show on Netflix called Explained, which is produced by Vox Media, who I love. If you get a chance to read those Vox articles, they're very, very good. And this is a, a television show that releases episodes based on different topics. They have different narrators. It's about 25 minutes long, just like our podcast is, but very, very good details. And they give you some history and they have interviews. There's an episode on Explained, that show. It's the fourth episode of the first season. It's called K-pop. So they go into details and it's basically discussions with musicians, fans, music theorists about the global fascination of K-pop. So they're going to be able to explain it a little Sweet. better <laughs> better than we can. Yeah. But just touching upon that that topic, they really go into detail. And I think that's why I was interested in talking about it. Pivoting a little bit, you know, Lewis, you are an artist. And you know very well how difficult it is to do your art and your craft to make sure that you put money on a table. It's not an easy thing to do. And with streaming and all these other outlets that have been giving folks who are doing their hard-earned work pennies on the dollar, maybe even less than pennies, yeah. in some cases, there was a big, uh, a big movement, starting with Apple Music, to help provide better royalties to the folks putting this music together. Obviously, Apple, along with some of the other streaming services, you know, they know that they are on the forefront of making sure that this music is heard and they need to make sure that these people get paid. And they were okay with it. There was there was some chatter about providing better royalties based on streaming to not just the artists, but everybody involved on the project. And there was one group that was against that. Spotify, Spotify. surprisingly. Surprisingly. <laughs> I, w- I was surprised by that, Lewis. What were your thoughts on, on Spotify being the group that said that they they were not looking to... They, they appealed the decision to have the, the, a 44% increase in streaming royalties. Uh, one word, disappointed. You know, it's frustrating from an artist's perspective, you know, you you lean towards in, in terms of your marketing and promoting strategies, wanting to get your music on Spotify playlist, wanting to meet your fans where they're at and, you know, to be to have this wall be put up in front and they spin it to make you to make it feel like they're they're supportive. But on the back end, you know, they're they're fighting the, the decision, which is frustrating It's from a bigger picture. Right. So. As an artist, you know, first there was the goal of selling CDs. Then it moved to digital sales. Well, you know, let's put your music on iTunes or Amazon, sell it for 99 cents a single or your album. Then the industry moved now towards mainly streaming. And you're fighting the system um, in order to get paid for, for your work. When, and this is the frustrating part, is that most of the fans, most of the folks who consume music, for the most part, are on the streaming side. So we're talking Apple Music, we're talking Spotify, we're talking Pandora. Um, and, you know, you seek to have that support from those industries in order to be compensated. And that's what the whole CRB's whole effort was to help get that increase 
Um, and then to have organizations like Spotify, uh, you know, not be on board is frustrating. Yeah, and it's a pretty heavy topic. We're going to include on our show notes some links to, to be able to really understand. Even I had to do a little research to really understand what's going on. And I just want to clarify the only industry that deals with music that did not appeal the increase in streaming royalties was Apple. So Spotify, Pandora, Google, and Amazon were essentially against an increase for, for songwriters and people who are producing this music. It's, it's a shame. Spotify did try to clarify their reasonings behind it. I think Amazon and Google and Pandora are kind of in the background. But it, it's, it's really tough to see that because these folks are making a lot of money off of, of, of a lot of people. You know, I'm talking about millions of people here. Yeah. And they and they see the writing on the wall. They know that ultimately this is where the industry is going to go. The rate increase was effective for a period of time. Uh, it was between now and 2022. Yes, so, correct, correct. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, and that hurts even more. You know, we're not talking about an increase today. We're talking about a gradually increase over time that they're fighting. Right. So that, that's something that we really want to point out here, that this was not like we're just going to pay you 44% now more than before. This is a, a gradual increase, very similar to what happens in union contracts, where you know your, your rate will get to that point, but it's, it's little by little. So that's even more of a shame. You know, right now, uh, another big issue that I found very troubling is that Spotify is arguing that if, if there's a bundle, if they include their services along with some other plan, for example, I get title as an add-on to my phone Sprint because I have Sprint service, right? But if they want to continue doing that, let's say with a gym or something like that, they want to say that the value belongs to whoever they're partnering with and not them, which means that anybody who has a service attached to a bundle should not be considered part of the payment towards royalties. That's a major issue because that is going to be basically their loophole to not pay contracts. You know, you can say, well, you have millions of subscribers, but I'm only getting, getting paid this amount. Why? And they're saying that, well, that's part of a bundle. We're not part of that. But they're getting paid out of that pie. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big issue, and we really want to make sure that not just Artists who listen to our show are paying attention to this because I'm sure they are, maybe frustrated, but they are, but also our listeners, those who consume the music. Because, uh, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, listen, I think that a lot of folks who are streaming feel like they are contributing in some, in some way yeah. to getting the artist paid. They feel like, well, the, you know, if I play that song, they're going to get some, as opposed to saying, let me go get that album or... Let me go to their show. I'm playing their music every day. I don't understand why why this is not happening. But you're doing it through a conduit. I mean, ultimately, you want you know the best bang for your buck. You would love folks to you know back to the old model of paying ninety nine cents for a single. You download it, but you know, in terms from the consumer side, you know, it make it does make sense. Hey, I'll pay ten dollars a month. I get to download or listen to any song that I want at any time. You know, it seems like a better deal. But on the back end, well, you know, how is that really affecting the artist? And these are the things that, we, you know, that, that sometimes don't get talked about up front or, or you don't have a real clear understanding of how the how the money flows. 
you know, so you're paying $10 a month for your Spotify service. Well, okay, well, Spotify doesn't want to pay the artist or they, 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 you know, they don't want to pay, you know, up to, up to the 44%, you know, in the next five, six years, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place as a musician. You don't have a lot of choice, you know, in terms of, you know, where your listeners listen to their music. If they're listening to, if they're streaming, which makes sense, you know, you want to, you want to meet them where they're at. So it's, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough trade-off and it's something that it's just going to be a continued challenge for artists um, moving forward. Yeah, and artists, along with those who are putting together music, are going to try to find ways to uh, maximize any monetary compensation for, for the work that they're doing. So if they know that you know these streaming companies are paying X amount, they're going to find ways to see how we, they can get more money out of it, which is why you're seeing songs being so much shorter than they used to be. You're seeing kind of, a, in my opinion... A, a little bit of a lack in quality on some of the work just to push out and pump out as much as possible. So there, there's there's a lot going on there. And at the end of the day, Lewis, it could be just a, a something that if Spotify says, look, okay, fine, we're going to have to pay these people more, it might be passed on to the consumer, angering them, right? right absolutely. So it, it's, a, it's a hard, like you said, a, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, but this is something that we really want folks to really start paying attention to really keep their eyes on and we want to inform people as much as possible again we're going to be including some uh, really good links on our music notes so you can kind of stay ahead of the game and anything that materializes in terms of any news we'll be sure to talk about that then yeah so. for sure and and again just footnote remember apple here is the good guy yeah which is uh you know sometimes they get a bad rap but they're like look man we're trying to get these people paid i don't understand and they put a scathing, uh, uh, you know, clap back specifically <laughs> to Spotify. But I think that's just because they have beef with them because all these other guys were involved too. But they were very upset that Spotify took the lead on appealing that, that raise. Well, that concludes another podcast here. I hope you got some well needed information and you learned something new today i know that we work very hard to provide that for you don't forget make sure you follow us on our website musically speaking podcast.com make sure you get our show notes there information that you might need past episodes and please rate review subscribe and share our podcast yes sir catch you on the next one Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes.